In this week's update, clarity and patience is paying off in a major way. Many commodities still struggling, but that's the opportunity. The importance of conviction and confidence in your process. And finally, what is the process that allows that conviction? My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Okay, let's start with, uh, with what's on offer in the market at the moment, uh, particularly in Australia, but to a degree globally. And it really underscores to me the, the importance of conviction and confidence in what you're doing. Um, the inevitable success stories are going to come from these things. First of all, as I've been saying for years and years, you need unstoppable megatrends because you want to know that the growth in demand, the growth in the business, the growth in earnings is going to be there. That all distills down or should distill down to some highly refined, highly researched watch lists because not all stocks are going to do well. Uh, and then add to that a real clarity of process about what you're doing. What is the purpose for the investment? Short term, long term, dividends, no, not dividends don't matter. Um, you know, early stage, late stage, you know, what, what is it? What is the, the process that you're using? And then add to that um, some confidence and certainly some patience. And we've had to be fairly patient in the, uh, in the critical metals um, sector for most of this year. Um, and that all amounts to outstanding results. And I know it seems like a lot of things that you've put in the mixing bowl there, but they're all the elements that are required. And if you leave one of those elements out, then you, you're probably not going to achieve anywhere near the results that you could otherwise. So it's been a terrific couple of weeks. SSE members are really reaping the rewards now. We've, we've had to be patient. Um, like much of the market, it's been, uh, it's been a bit of a sideways grind but the results are really coming through now. Um, and in portfolio analyst, um, been talking about process all year and it's, and it's been challenging, but now the big payoff is appearing. And members who've watched um, the last couple of sessions should um, really have that, that high level of confidence about what we're doing together. So if we look specifically at, at the you know the topic areas of the last couple of weeks, but I mean this this has been a theme for for multiple years. We looked at the massive benefit in the mining industry of backing the man, backing the real achievers, the guys that have done it before. They're the best at what they do in the world, and they just managed to get the job done well uh, over and over again. So previous success stories count for a great deal. And, you know, we've got another couple of just prime examples at the moment where uh, previous highly successful operators are just doing it again. We also looked at what, what are the factors that guarantee that a share price or virtually guarantee that a share price is going to rise over time. And there are half a dozen things that you can identify that do really do that. We did an update on some high conviction trades which have, um, have started uh, very, very promisingly. We looked at lithium supply in, um, in context. Um, there's a lot been written in the last um, six months about how there's going to be this um, tsunami of supply come out of the market and that's going to kill prices. Well, you just need to look at that information in context because what the mainstream media has been presenting has been you know, very much in error. 
And also we looked at the fabulous opportunity in semiconductors that's been unfolding for some time and I've been talking about it in this Sunday video as well. Uh, and also there was a wonderful long-term investment that, uh, that I looked at with a, you know, with a 20, 15 to 20 year view. And there, there are a few of them uh, around in the Australian market. And it's really um, instructional to look at the long-term returns that these sort of investments can provide. So that was Portfolio Analyst, um, not to be left out, the Insiders Club members also, um, frankly, had a, a thumping good week of, uh, of results. And the feedback that I'm getting about the high level of written and video communication is extremely gratifying. So a very robust week of gains. Um, as with all parts of the market, it's, it's been challenging, but the big payoff is really unfolding now. We're seeing it in the portfolios. Um, there are stocks that are making um, very significant gains. There's a long way to go in this critical mineral story. It'll, it'll continue for the rest of the decade, but there is no time to lose because the good windows of opportunity when you can get in with relatively lower risk and extremely significant upside are generally pretty small. You know, you, you can't be months and months late to this party, not if you want to be on the best opportunities. So that's where we sit at the moment. It's very exciting. Um, I've felt confident and highly convicted uh, all year, but we've had to be patient. And, uh, you know, that's the final element that really now is starting to come together. Let's look at the overall market in perspective. The US indices uh, remain quite bullishly aligned. Um, and there's just no other way to interpret the money flows, as you'll, as you'll see in a minute. But breadth still remains an issue, as I discussed uh, last week. Um, I, I'm just so excited about the Australian market, but I'm pretty cautious about the US market, and I'm, and I'm finding it difficult to get, um, to get a lot of conviction around the US market at the moment. Stock and, and sector selection is, uh, is vital. Uh, you know, the impact of, of the almost certain recession, the mixed signals that we're getting from the Fed is, um, is keeping much of the market on, uh, on an edge. The debt ceiling shambles, which really is just, you know, if it was a comedy show, you'd, you'd probably uh, laugh very hard. It'll resolve itself as it has on so many occasions in the past. And it just seems to be all part of this American political charade that goes on as they, you know, march to some sort of inevitable debt crisis in the future. But no one really knows when that future is. Is it, is it a couple of years time? Is it two decades away still? Um, you know, no one knows the answer to that. But it's, um, it's just going to get progressively worse and worse in America until they bite the bullet and do something about, um, about spending and, and debt. But um, it's pretty hard to see that happening, to be honest. So American stocks, the S&P was up 1.6% across the week. Um, and it, was, it became apparent that there's, there's a pretty good short squeeze going on with the regional banks now. So a lot of people were short the regional banks and they're progressively getting um, squeezed out by the rise in prices. So everyone sort of has to jump over to the other side of the boat. The market is getting and the forecasters are getting very excited about artificial intelligence and quantum computing. And that's really why we've seen these very strong uh, price rises in, in Google and Amazon and um, 
Microsoft and, and Meta, um, a lot of this is around um, those couple of themes. And, and that's why the if you just look at the advance of the indices, you're not getting a very clear picture of what's really happening in the US market. However, it's still, uh, it's still bullish enough. Now, the US dollar index uh, was up to 103, so a bit of a rebound last week. Uh, the 10-year yield went back up again to 3.68 on the strength of the Fed comments about the fact that um, there may even be another rate rise and, and quite probably no rate cuts this year, but we'll see about that because what the Fed says and what they do are often two different things. The VIX was steady, just under 17, and the two-year, 10-year spread is still about negative 0.6. So it's been unwavering now for quite some time and forecasting a recession. All right, let's start. There's the NASDAQ. Um, you just, if you view the, the, short, the moving averages in terms of their alignment, 200-day is the red, 50-day is the blue, 20-day is the green and the index is moving higher, it's above all of them, and it's accelerating away. I mean, that's just perfect alignment. But you've got to remember, this is so much about the, the big tech companies. Um, so, you know, that's just the reality of, uh, of the US market at the moment. It's, it's distorting the real picture. But if we take a really long-term view, so this is, uh, this is a chart that I've been showing now for multiple years, it's going back to, um, to 1950, and it shows the, the secular bull and bear markets. So the, the parts that are marked with a green bar, which is where you've got consistently rising indices, setting higher highs and higher lows. So back in the 50s and 60s, we had a secular bull market lasting 19 years. In the um, 19... Uh, 1980s, 1990s, again, 19 years in between where the indices really just went sideways and we had a couple of decent dips, uh, lasted 12 years, followed by 13 years in the early 2000s. And then the current secular bull market that we're in, which started in 2013 when we had a breakout here and formed a new higher high, has been running for 10 years. But if you look at previous history, then you'd have to say that the best part of another 10 years is still on the cards. And that's what I've been saying for several years, that, you know, 20, 2030, something of that um, dimension is likely to be when we when we run out of gas in terms of this secular uh, bull market and um, and we start to go sideways again. But of course, in all bull markets, you get significant retracements and we had one here in 2018 we had another one in 2020 and we've just had a not insignificant pullback um, in 2022 so that's the big picture of um, of indices in america there's the s p on a daily chart it's definitely lagging the nasdaq as you can see that yes the moving averages are lined up in the same direction but it's just not as strong yeah, the NASDAQ is, is absolutely killing it. So let's jump in and look at where the money flows underneath those overall indices are going. Um, just confirming this, the NASDAQ versus the S&P, the ratio, ratio rising strongly. So that's showing very graphically the outperformance. Um, if we look at large cap growth versus large cap value, which um, 
you know, copped a real hiding throughout 2022. This is a weekly chart. So we peaked out just at the end of 2021 and we hit the bottom in, uh, in January of this year. So all year, this has been rising very, very strongly against the news flow. Semiconductors versus the S&P, really strong rebound, bit of a tick down on, on Friday, but uh, semiconductors looking really, really good and confirming uh, all that bullishness in the market. And just finally, this is the sector by sector uh, look at the US market. This is the last quarter. So XLK, uh, technology, communication services. So they're the aggressive growth parts of the market. Consumer staples is, has held up pretty well over the last quarter, so it's up there. And, uh, and we've had uh, finance and energy lagging. But what's really interesting is if we zero in, so that's the last quarter, let's zero in and just look at the last couple of weeks to see if anything has changed. And you can see we've still got communication services and technology at the top of the tree. We've, because of Amazon, which feeds into XLY, consumer discretionary, um, you know, that has done pretty well, but I'm, I'm pretty much ignoring that because of the, you know, just the overwhelming impact of Amazon and Tesla on that index. But finance has certainly, uh, you know, kicked back very strongly in the last two weeks. And look at energy. Energy's come from really being lagging to, um, to improving very, very rapidly. So to my mind, there's a, there was a contrarian opportunity in, uh, in energy, and I, um, and I spoke about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. So that's, that's the tale of, um, of the US market. If we look at the currencies, US dollar on a weekly chart um, made some ground, but we're still in this big band between uh, 104 and, uh, and 100.5. So we're sort of stuck, but you'd have to say when you're looking at the moving averages that, um, that there's a bit of a bias to the downside. We're getting lower highs and, and, uh, and lower lows. Um, but we do need to resolve these two levels, 104 on the top, 100.5 on the bottom. And the Australian dollar has really just been following that lead inversely. And we finished the week at um, just under... 66. So summarizing the Australian market, 65.85, our dollar, our index gained 0.4% uh, uh, across the week. And when you look at our index, it's really just in a, it's just in a holding pattern. It's just going sideways and has been for a couple of years. So as I spoke about last week, if you've just got a broadly diversified portfolio, you know, a bit of, bit of each sector, then you're probably struggling to make any headway. And that approaches, that diversified approach has never made sense to me for, uh, for a long, long time because inherently that means that you are deliberately owning some of the underperforming sectors of the market. And why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you just want to be in the outperforming sectors and not have diversity? So for me, that's, um, that's a cop-out way of, um, uh, of constructing a portfolio and of course, in the Australian market, as I indicated at the start, small caps are really roaring, but you've, you've just got to be very clear on your process because there's a lot of danger in, um, in that part of the market as well. So 
So let's take a quick look at the ASX 200. So if we pan back and look at the last couple of years, we are trading at the same level we traded at in June of 2021. So two years of effectively doing nothing. So that's the, uh, that's the Aussie market. While I'm here, let's look at uh, precious metals. Precious metals on a weekly chart. Um, we had a dip, so we, we did get a breakout two weeks ago, set a new all-time, uh, a new all-time intraday high of uh, 2,094, um, but we closed at uh, 1978, so down uh, about 100 and, what's that, about 114, $115 from that peak just a couple of weeks ago. So we're still seeing that, yes, there's a currency effect here, but it's there's been more than that. This drop in gold over the last week has been more than just the US dollar going up. So there's been a bit of a, a bit of a pullback. But look, I think that one of the things that the market is missing is that there's a very, very strong correlation between the gold price and and real interest rates. So that's nominal interest rate less inflation. And real interest rates are still negative. And, and really, the market is assuming that just because the Fed is still talking hawkish, that we actually have um, we have positive real interest rates. Well, we don't. So I think um, there's still a good fundamental reason for the gold price to be doing um, much, much better. Quite a nice rebound on Friday, as you can see. Um, so that hopefully will feed into some positive trading action for the next week and similarly with uh, with silver. So just summarizing precious metals, we lost $33 um, and it's really, it's the Fed statements, it's, um, it's the economic data, um, which is equaling lesser chance of a rate cut, that's the market's interpretation. That is equaling a higher US dollar, which we saw, and that is equaling lower gold in part just because of the currency effect. But there's a bit of negativity selling as well. In Australian dollar terms, um, we came down, we were almost to 3,100 a couple of weeks ago, but we're back down to just on 3,000. But that's still a very profitable level for the Australian gold stocks. And I really think that um, there's, a, there's a terrific opportunity opening up in gold. They go through the cycles. We've just seen it with lithium. Lithium went through a you know a very very trying uh, six month period, but certainly is roaring back now. If we look at um, precious metal stocks in general, I just wonder. I have no evidence to um, to back this up, but I just wonder if there is so much money flowing into critical minerals that it's diverting attention from gold stocks. And that gold stocks is a you know is a an emerging story about to burst back on the scene, so you know watch watch this space, um, and also the other point that I've been making for a long long time is because I've not trusted the gold price and the level of manipulation that has gone on in the gold price for years and years, I've turned my attention to world class emerging developers or emerging producers, but development stocks, because you're going to get an uplift in the share price based on the de-risking of the process and based on the takeover premium that inevitably will find its way into those stocks. 
And you know, we're seeing that now with um, the takeover of, um, of New Newcrest by Newmont, and that's sort of really started to uh, put more attention back on mergers and acquisitions. So for me, I've always um, I've always wanted um, stocks that had that capacity to improve significantly in price, but without needing the gold price to rise. So um, that that certainly has been paying off. But again, I think that you know the the really big payoff hasn't hasn't arrived yet. It's uh, it's still to come. Turning to other commodities, uh, copper was steady. Um, nickel was at uh, 949, so it did lose some ground during the week. With copper, we've got rising inventories, as you'll see on the chart in a minute. Um, we've got uh, a higher US dollar, uh, and we've also got um, China demand that's still pretty soft, and it's all keeping a lid on, um, on the copper prices, but the long term remains highly attractive. So if, if you can get a two-year view of where copper will be, um, you're going to see copper stocks start to move well in advance of 2025, which seems to be the, the consensus when the supply-demand situation really um, you know, gets into a significant deficit for copper. Uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude uh, was didn't move a great deal, 70.7. And there's just so many cross-currents that are conflicting in the oil market. It makes short to medium term forecasting pretty difficult. Um, but for me, the long term still appears inevitably rosy. You know, there is, you've, you've got demand that is not going to come off nearly as quickly as, uh, as a lot of people think and would hope to do. Um, but because of the chronic underinvestment, there's no way that, that supply is going to be able to keep up with it. So we're going to have a very buoyant oil price over the longer term if, you, if you're looking 12, 12 months, two years, three years out. And, um, you know, I think there's a great opportunity in, um, in the energy market. Lithium, the mergers and acquisitions activity is, has dramatically set the record straight about what's real and what's not real in the lithium market. We've now got restocking in China and elsewhere. And that's reversed the the decline in lithium carbonate prices. So we're, we're now starting to see um, some significant gains in those uh, product prices. And we're seeing the real premiums now flowing into the, the stocks that have got that X factor. You know, the, the, the world-class deposit or the takeover potential or the high-class management or whatever it is that gets the market excited because... There are so many hundreds of, of lithium stocks, and I can tell you that the majority of them aren't going to make it. So if you think you can just go and buy some lithium stocks and you're going to do really well, um, you're playing a, a game of luck, and, and that's not how to invest. It's the stocks with X factor potential where the, the real premiums are going to go. And now that we've got this very significant mergers and acquisitions activity, you're going to see that uh, really increasing. And I, this is a bit of a, a bit of a guess here, but I would expect that less than one in five lithium stocks, and it could even be as low as one in ten, are going to make it big, and the rest uh, are just going to be left by the wayside. So, being very clear about what your targets are, what your process is for buying and taking profit, is just so critically important. There's the copper chart, so pretty steady 
in terms of price, but it's the inventories that are doing a bit of damage and holding the prices down. So there's been quite a significant move. So from around 50,000 tonnes in the LME um, just uh, a handful of weeks ago, we're now back to, to not just over 90,000 tonnes. Um, so that's certainly not helping copper. But look, that's a short to medium term thing that, that, will, um, that will correct itself. There's the spot nickel chart. So um, we, were, uh, we were certainly down a bit in the last week. Wrapping it all up, in my view, as a growth investor, a significant chunk of your, of your growth portfolio should be in critical materials. Now, I, I know that some investors don't like mining for varying reasons, but this is a mining environment like we've never seen before. The last um, mining boom in the early 2000s was built off the demand from China. But that demand was, you know, was never going to be um, absolute and, sus and sustainable over the very long period of time. Um, but the environment we're in now, the demand and the supply situation is, is such that um, we've got the best environment for, for, um, for mining that I've ever seen in all the decades I've been in the market. So I think a significant portion of your, of your growth portfolio can be in, in this part of the market. But as I said earlier, it's not just any old bunch of, of well-known names because some of those are underperforming quite dramatically across all areas. And, um, and of course, a lot of the early stage stocks are just not going to make it. They're not going to be able to get the capital. Um, and, you know, they, they're just not going to be able to make enough progress. You know, a lot of those smaller companies don't spend enough money, they don't spend enough of the capital that they raise on actual exploration. A lot of it just goes in, in funding people's salaries that work for the company. So there's an opportunity here to really fire up your results over the long term. And in, and in my view, a, just a vanilla tipping service here, you know, buy this, buy that, is just not going to cut it because you need so much more than that, which I addressed at the start. Portfolio analysts last week, um, the, the, the stocks that are being discussed in portfolio analysts um, and the processes, the, the actual you know, how-to part of it is really starting to pay off and we're seeing some, uh, some tremendous results. There's hundreds and hundreds of hours of archived education and valuable market information in portfolio analyst. If you haven't had a look, it's, uh, it's $1 for two weeks. You've got the full archive at your disposal um, going back uh, five or six years. As I said, hundreds and hundreds of hours. Um, it's well worth having a look at. So that's it for this week. Um, there is more information on the website. There's my email address. And um, I'm sure we're in for another very exciting week. Cheers.